Journey into comics. Poor entertainment. Poor news. Foodies watching movies. Adulting 80s. Podcast read the voice of survival. Kids for sale. Gallif Radio. Bruise with dudes. Journey into wrestling. Journey into comics network. Journeyintocomics.com. Following the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. What's up? This is Tyler from Podcast and you're listening to the best of the week. Highlights from all the shows that aired on the network this past week. Kick back, relax, don't tread on my heritage, heritage, and enjoy. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into. Listen, let's talk about this officially. Now that I've officially like got the overall look, I had to, you guys, I had to, I had to remember. To, I forgot to do this before the show. Like every other article I want to talk about is ready to go, and I've like thought about what I was going to say, but this one, for some reason, I didn't do it. So, Batman Damned came out, and uh, well, Batman Damned is getting a lot of uh, press because. Damned is about the Joker unexpectedly dying with Batman suddenly suffering from memory loss and worrying that he might have been the one that killed him. In the book, in the first issue, Batman takes off his costume and has the Bat computer scan him from it for any injuries he might have sustained in a Joker fight he no longer remembers. The sequence features a clear shot of Batman's butt and then a shadowy image of the front where you can clearly see the outline of his dick. So I looked. And yeah, it's an outline, and it was okay. So the the first panel of the three panels is like a back shot of Bruce Wayne. It's his butt cheeks, and he's like look, letting the computer scan him, and he says any evidence of multiple fatal stab wounds, and you see like the tip, and, and maybe some 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 balls, maybe in there, maybe bat balls, maybe bat balls is the episode title, bat balls. Okay. Uh, and then the third panel is like even more shadowy and it definitely shows the tip. And and it kind of, I mean, you know, I'm not really sure why they needed to really illustrate that. I think there were more clever ways to do that. And it's kind of a cheap shot because at no point do you see Batman's face in all this. Like He's talking, but you're not seeing his face. It's just focused on his private areas. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, does it need to be in Batman? Probably not. Is it in Batman? Well, yeah, now it is, of course. You can't take it back, man. But, uh, I don't, especially with the other dick news this week, it's like, why has this week been filled with dicks on all kinds of levels? It's the fucking greatest synonym or greatest description for this past week. It's been all of the dicks, all kinds of dicks on all kinds of levels of dicks, even good dicks. Like Dick Tyner. And uh, shout out to him real quick in the middle of this tangent. Uh, shout out to him, AP, and Tyler, and those guys in my little Elite Four squad that helped me to decipher and think about ideas and, and move the network forward and whatnot. Uh, today, I didn't know if I really could do this podcast, but if I don't do it today, it doesn't get done until after Monday. And I don't really feel like interested in letting y'all down, so I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to... Uh, well, I'm going to be soldiering on and doing this podcast regardless of how I feel right now. And it's thanks to those guys. They gave me inspiration and lifted me up and said, hey, man, you got this. Like, it's fucking cool. Go out there and show them who's boss. And that's and that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to show you all who's boss, which is me, apparently. 
Um, but let's get done with Batman's nuts. Let's talk about the other dick in the news, which was, oh shit, of course, some stupid fucking shit would pop up on the computer. I'll have to shut that down. Anyways, so let's talk about the other dick in the news. Stormy Daniels comparing Donald Trump's penis to toadstool? What? Really? That's what you think? Stormy Daniels, you really had to say that? Like, come on. I guess my issue with Stormy Daniels saying that Donald Trump's dick looks like Toad from Mario is kind of, well, it's just he's fucking ruining everything, and I don't want him to ruin Mario. Like, as a nerd, I'm sitting there scrolling the other day, and I see Mario Kart and Toad are trending. <coughs> and I'm like, why the fuck? Why are they trending? I'm not sure. So I look, and then it says, like, Toad has been compared to something, and then I can't really quite find the article, and then I find the article, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I wish I didn't fucking find this article. So, uh, yeah, I um, I pretty much was grossed out by that one. We're going to go ahead and move into the biggest news that we have, which is officially... Marvel this week has released, to get our mind off dicks, this week Captain Marvel's trailer was released on Good Morning America well, this past week, and as the it's already started, I meant to back it up and let's blow this thing up huge, and I'm going to go ahead and actually watch this again and tell you guys what I think about it, and a little bit more in real time, uh, my initial reaction right out the gate was I loved this trailer. It really has me excited for the movie, but there's a lot of subtext, and I want to make sure we kind of like dive into the subtext of what exactly is going on here because it's it's quite incredible. All right, so here we go. This is going to be the trailer for Captain Marvel. Okay, she looks like she's falling to Earth. She falls into a building. It's, it's a blockbuster video, so boom, we're in the 90s. We are there. Looks like a nice blockbuster. Prices were good. Uh, now it's in the blockbuster, and she's laying on the floor. It's a universal language. I like that there's an action I sign behind her. Like, the movie's gonna be in the action it. section. That's what you should expect from this Never movie, is action. One might come from above. And, uh, obviously hearing Nick Fury. We've got a new logo for the Marvel Studios. The hallway lighting up, which is, like, Space early shield. Project Phoenix. Uh... Captain Marvel jumping up onto a bus and or train and fucking shoot her, her powers out of her arms or her hands. So you're not from around here. They're driving in a car to together. She's getting flashbacks, maybe. Uh, I will say I love the visuals on it. It looks fucking great. Brie Larson looks like she's killing it. There's Photon with her. She's touching the plane, so she's kind of getting flashbacks of her past. Uh, but she doesn't remember her human life. But I can't tell if it's real. Uh, because she's now part Kree as well. So it's something, you know, her DNA is changing and changed her. There was Jude Law as Marvell. I love no that her, and then it's a hero. There was a scroll. I love it. Captain Marvel punches an old lady. Ronan looking at Earth. Young Coulson. There's the beeper. Captain Marvel in her fucking awesome helmet. Her absorbing the power. Wonder, ooh, that's actually an interesting thought. I'm not what you think I am. Okay. 
man. Oh, she's like powering up almost Super Saiyan-esque. That was bitching. March 2019, Captain Marvel. This film is not yet rated. No shit, that film is not yet rated, but it's rated awesome in my mind. Holy shit. Uh, I love this trailer. If we were to watch it like six more times, there are so many little things. I mean, having Photon and having all the stuff that they do in this, there are so many cool videos. And that's the thing. I think with podcasting, I'm slowly learning that I can tell you guys Easter eggs till I'm blue in the face. Like, hey, this fucking cool thing happened. Hey, this fucking cool thing happened. The best way to experience them, though, is to go on to like... Like, you can hear it from me, and I'll still tell you guys if you want. I don't mind. But I personally prefer to visually see what the Easter egg is so I know what they're talking about. Uh, And I kind of sometimes do a really shit job of, you know, explaining everything. So my thing is this. Oh, maybe Marvel is actually actually a scroll. That's what it is. Marvel is a scroll. That's why he's looking all fucking crazy-eyed in this. My thing is this, go on to YouTube and look for a video that breaks down the Easter eggs in your trailers and stuff so you can actually visually see it. That way when you're in the movie, you can spot it out to your friends and be like, oh, check that shit out, that's fucking cool, and I know that and you didn't, ha, ah. But that's not really why we do it. It's cool because it's good knowledge and it's awesome to share that knowledge with other people. That's why I do this podcast. Sharing my knowledge and my nerddom and filling your brains with the shit that's in my brains. Uh, Captain Marvel gets a new logo. And uh, obviously we see it at the end of the trailer there. It's a more um, streamlined logo. It's kind of got some, like, elect- not really electricity, but, like, energy coming off it in certain spots. These, like, blue orbs. And it's v- it's very nice looking. I'm, I'm very excited for this movie to come out in March. Uh, I know that it's going to be one of those movies that knocks it out of the park. I also feel like it's going to have a lot of setup for the second half of Infinity War, whatever Avengers 4 ends up being called, because there's just, there's still too many questions I think they're going to leave unanswered if they don't fill in the gap of like, well, why did Nick Fury have her beeper? Why didn't he contact her earlier in this whole fucking thing? Like, all the whys to why, 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 Nick Fury, why? you knew this lady, but you didn't bring her to the fight when Ultron was around, or you didn't bring her to the fucking fight when Loki showed up. You know, they're, they're, that's a big-ass gap. And then, like, it'd be cool to see her in the end of her movie somewhere in the present, right, stepping through the threshold and going back on Earth for the first time after however long, because now she's finding Nick Fury's pager on the ground, and he's like, and she's like, what the fuck happened here? And that's her on her part of the journey through Avengers 4, and then she'll eventually link up with the team, or maybe she'll link up with the team right away. Who knows? Whatever it ends up being is going to be fantastic, though, and I cannot wait to see what Captain Marvel is as a whole. Uh, Interesting to also note, the release is March 19, and I believe Wonder Woman was March of 17, or February, was it March, February? I I feel like it was March, though. I feel like it was March of 17. So that that being said, Captain Marvel is almost gunning to break the the Wonder Woman debut record, like opening night and all that shit. And of course, it's Marvel. They knock shit out of the park. People did not get more answers than they got questions at the end of Ant-Man. This is the movie taking place almost two months prior to the next big installation of the series. So I feel like they're going to have a lot of 
energy between them that's going to give people the push to go see Captain Marvel in theaters, get it in the IMAX experience, the biggest, best way to watch a movie like this. Just the scale of it makes you want to, you know? I mean, how awesome would it be to be in IMAX when Ronan's on the the helm of that ship looking down at Earth? And then to think, like, Ronan fucked with Earth at one point, but then later in his time fucked with Xandar, and he doesn't even realize that the guy that fucked him up is from Earth. You know, like, that's wicked. And it's also crazy to note that this movie takes place in the 90s, meaning that Peter Quill has only been gone from Earth for a couple years. And I'm curious to know if there's any... See, that's one thing I've never understood is if there were any missing posters for, for Quill in the world because he had family, his uncle and stuff that he ran from. Did did those people go searching for Peter Quill and find nothing because he was fucking in space with Yondu? More questions than answers. I can't wait for Captain Marvel, guys. You guys should be jazzed as well. Uh, looking, they've actually got the official Captain Marvel poster out now, and it's bitchin'. Higher, further, faster. It looks like a hangar door. It is a definitely a hangar door for like, uh, um, what do you call that? Well, a hangar, obviously, for planes. And uh, in part of it, you see the design of the Captain Marvel logo, and it's split in half, and she's coming through the door, and her fists are lighting up, and she looks totally badass and ready to fuck people up. Um, Larson was talking to EW in a recent interview, and she said she never saw herself doing anything like this, mostly because she likes being anonymous. I like disappearing into characters, and I've always felt if I was out in the public eye too much, it potentially limits you in the future. Just seeing a character who says how she feels and says what's on her mind and doesn't let people stand her way is incredibly empowering. She said, I was an introvert with asthma before this movie. I really thought that they hired me. I was like the worst choice for an action movie. Um, and I didn't know that I had a little Keanu Reeves in me. Who knew? But I've been joking that I'm going to the go to the 2020 Olympics for judo. What's funny is I've been saying it the last couple of weeks, and people are like, ah, uh, but they can't tell if I'm serious or not. And honestly, I can't tell if I'm serious or not. I'm really not. But now when I'm getting scripts of what to do next, I'm like, this has to be better than the Olympics. My bar is the Olympics. It's a pretty high bar. Damn, that'd be crazy if she went to the Olympics. Here's the official synopsis, though, for Captain Marvel. Set in the 1990s, Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel is an all-new adventure from a previously unseen period in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that follows the journey of Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the Earth's most powerful heroes. While a galactic war between two alien races reaches Earth, Danvers finds herself in a small uh, parade of allies at the center of the maelstrom. The film stars Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Dijmon Hosen, Lee Pace, Lashana Lynch, Gemma Chan, Rune Tempte, Hengenis Perez Soto, McKenna Grace, and Annette Benning with Clark Gregg and Jude Law. It's going to be produced by Kevin Feige, obviously, directed by Anna, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, Louis Desposito, Victoria Alonso, Jonathan Swartz. Patricia Witcher and Stanley are the executive producers. Fucking stoked, folks. You guys should be stoked, too. I can't hype Captain Marvel enough. It's like one of those things. The more I read about it, the more I see about it, it's like, ah, I'm fucking freaking out. You're listening to Poor Entertainment. With your host, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... Andrew Paul.
what entertains you and are you not entertained? Because really, if you're not entertained, why are you doing it? So what I kind of want to talk about this week, kind of jumping into a few articles I have to discuss, but there's kind of something I want to talk about that I've kind of been mulling around since I've been deciding about this week's episode, and that why do something or watch something or go to something if you're not going to be entertained by it? Like, the people who yell at the TV screen at a football game or at a, any other sport game, like, if you're not enjoying yourself. But some people like to be frustrated. They like the... the but they get in so engrossed in it, they're like, yes, that's awesome. Or people who go to a movie, know they're going to hate it, and then complain about it. Like, why go to something you're just going to ridicule later? Like, what what do you hope to gain from that? Like, why do you enjoy tormenting yourself if you know you're not going to like it? Like, there's some things we do just because other people we care about or want to like it. Like, some people go see movies or go to places they don't particularly like to be at just because there's another or their friends or whatever doing the same thing. But I feel like a lot of people need to do things just to be entertained by it. Like, a lot of the stuff we like, go into movies, go into plays, go into concerts. We all do that just to be entertained by it. But if you're not going to like it, then why do it? A lot of this is just for escapism. Get away from our day-to-day lives. Do things that we would like to do. But to be in the place where we have to do something we don't enjoy. Like, that's what work is for. That's what some other stuff is for. That's what the doing chores, all that dull stuff that we have to do on a day-to-day basis just to maintain order in our lives but if you're not entertained just don't do it like people like oh i heard this movie is terrible yeah if you still want to go see it like i saw predator over this weekend even after i heard on podcast view that the movie was wasn't great like i still really enjoyed the movie i don't have a whole lot of context i haven't been super into the whole predator series like i haven't saw the haven't seen the newer movies i haven't seen Predator 2 or Predators, so I don't really have the context, but it's still an enjoyable film. There's some parts that are kind of laughably weird, but it wasn't bad by any means. It was definitely overly produced. Uh, I really enjoyed the the Predator dogs, especially the one that had the brain injury, so it became like everyone's favorite companion. It was kind of a weird amount of from that dog you saw at the beginning that originally barked at the kid with autism or Asperger's or whatever he had and then became his friend later so that was kind of interesting but the movie overall wasn't bad it was an interesting story like I don't know why the one guy needed to have uh tics or why they made certain characters the way they were but it's it's a movie it's a Shane Black movie there's a lot of uh there's a lot of comparisons you can make to Iron Man 3, but given that Iron Man 3 was also like, there's still a kid with a main focus who's well better at technology than it kind of leads you to believe, and a lot of big explosions, but it was still good, it was still enjoyable. Um, the twist at the end leaves you kind of confused about what the future is going to bring, but I'm pretty sure if a regular guy can take on the Mega Predator or the big predator then i don't think they need this predator killer weapon so who knows we'll be interested to see if what sequel we get when we get it who's directing it and if all of the sexual assault allegations against someone in the in the cast has any effect on the future box of its potential of these movies i don't know the movie's done pretty well for itself so we'll kind of have to see how the rest of that goes i'll so i need to dive into the mythos of seeing all the old 
Predator movies since the first one, and then all the Alien movies. So I've never really got. I've never seen an Aliens movie. So, well, actually, I did the back. I did see Alien versus Predator, but yeah, that's a whole other story. Also, not a bad movie, just not a particularly great movie. But that is that for my little bit about what entertains us. Kind of makes you just want to scream like, "Are you not entertained?" Like when there's things you have to see or things you want to do. And jumping into what I want to talk about this week, this is something I actually saw through someone sharing it on Facebook a few days ago that I had to like kind of do a little research on because I was curious. So apparently there's a tree that legally owns itself. So if you go up to this, I'm going to kind of read this a little bit from Wikipedia, which take it with a grain of salt as you will, but there's this tree that owns itself. It's in Athens, Georgia. And um, the legend has it. The earliest known telling of the tree story comes from the front page article entitled deeded to itself in the athens weekly banner in august 12 1890 the article explains the tree has been located in the property of colonel william henry jackson william jackson was the son of james jackson a soldier in the american revolution as well as congressman u.s senator and governor of georgia and the father of another james jackson a congressman chief justice of the supreme court of georgia and the brother of jabez young jackson also a congressman jack supposedly cherished childhood memories of the tree and desired to protect it deeded it to the ownership of itself and its surrounding land by various accounts of this transaction took place between 1820 and 1832. According to the newspaper article, the deed read, I, uh, I, W.H. Jackson, of the county of Clark, of one part, and the oak tree of the county of Clark, of the other part, witnesseth that the said W.H. Jackson, for and in exertion of the great affection for which he bears said tree, as great daughter he protected, has conveyed, and by these presents to do convey unto the said oak tree, entire position of itself, and all the land within eight feet of it on all sides. It's unclear whether the story of the tree that owned itself began the beginning article, or if it's been elements of the local folklore prior to that time. The article's author also writes that in 1890 there were few people still living who knew the story. The story of the tree that owns itself is very widely known, is also printed as fact. However, only one person, the anonymous author of the deed to itself, has ever claimed to have seen Jackson's tr- deed to the tree. Most writers acknowledge that the deed is lost or no longer exists. If, in fact, it ever did, such a deed ever, even if it did exist, would have no legal standing under common law. The person receiving the property in question must have the legal capacity to receive it, and the property must be delivered and accepted by the recipient. William H. Jackson did, in fact, own the property on the opposite side of Deering Street from the tree, the plot including the present-day 226 Deering Street, but in the early 19th century, somebody designated lot number 14. The tree, however, is located on the portion... What had been lot number 15, Jackson is what Mildred, along with J.A. Cobb, sold their property to Dr. Malthus Ward in 1832. Um, there's a lot more information. Uh, the original tree owns itself as estimated to have started life at some point between the mid-16th century and late-18th centuries. It was considered by some to be both the biggest tree in Athens as the most famous tree in the United States. The tree predated the transformation of the area into a residential neighborhood beginning in the mid-19th century. The residence adjacent to the tree, known as Domini House, was at the corner of Millage Avenue and Wallace Street in 1883. Um, and by 1906, erosion has become apparent at the base of the tree. George Arthur Peabody paid to have new soil, a commemorative tablet, and a chain barricade supported by eight granite posts installed around the tree. Despite these efforts, the tree suffered heavy damage during an ice storm in 1907. Although attempts were made at preservation, Ryder already said it, and the tree was permanently weakened. 
The original oak fell on the evening of October 9th, 1942, following a long period of decline. Its pork condition has been known for years within the days of its collapse. Moves underway to replace the fallen tree with a son grown from one of its acorns. One account says the tree had actually died several years before its collapse, the victim of root rot. The tree was over 100 feet tall and was estimated between 150 and 400 years old when it fell. It's quite a range. Um, it had been reported elsewhere that the tree fell on December 1st, 1942, succumbing not to old age disease, rather to a violent windstorm that ravaged much of North Georgia that evening, causing widespread damage and killing several people. While it's possible that some portion of the tree had remained standing for several weeks, Meaning a dramatic events at the hands of a killer storm, only the earlier dates supported by newspaper accounts is known why the tree was not dated by counting its rings. So yes, yeah, so when the tree fell, even though it was under the... It was replaced by the son of the tree that owns itself. Um, all, after the original tree's demise, its small plot sat vacant for four years. Don Magal, the son of Young of Athens, Georgia, Junior Ladies Garden Club... Um, so several Athenians had cultivated seedlings from the acorns from the original tree... Um, so they transplanted a tree that they had been growing to that original location. The new tree was officially dedicated in a formal ceremony in 1946. Um, the new tree trimmed back to a mere three feet for transplant thriving in its location. The tree considered popularly, if not legally, to be the full heir of the original tree. As such, it's sometimes referred to as the son of the tree that owns itself, although it was generally known by the same title as its progenitor. The tree was... Over 50 feet tall as of 2006. Although the story of the tree itself is more of a legend than history, the tree has become one of the most recognized and well-beloved symbols of Athens, is routinely featured in travel guides on their visitor information, and has even garnered traditional recognition through such publications as Ripley's Believe or Not, where it had been featured in several locations. Or several occasions, sorry. So it's kind of interesting. I thought it was kind of interesting that I've never heard of a tree that owns itself it's similar to like when you see like the mayor of the small town is a cat or a dog or whatever else it may be so that's just my little fun bit of news to tell, uh, share with you guys today even though it's a very old story and a couple things happened since the last episode involves uh the emmy awards the primetime emmy awards i know on my last one i talked about the creative arts emmys which involved like john legend winning so but here's an article about the from Variety about the biggest takeaways from the Emmys. So, not even the Emmys could break the TV business's dark mood. Sexual assault and harassment allegations against high-ranking figures, media, mega acquisition deals that have created massive uncertainty, continued struggles to represent diversity on screens, all combined to create an atmosphere in which celebrating TV proved too difficult a task. But the key takeaways from September 17th's Primetime Emmy Awards is to at least provide an accurate reflection of the unsettled industry. So the Big Four in August um, renewed their deal with the TV Academy to share telecast rights for the Emmys through 2026, ensuring that for the next eight years at least one broadcast's biggest program events will be a three-hour commercial for shows that are not available on broadcast. Of the 26 Emmys given out that night, Netflix, Amazon, HBO, and FX counted for all but three. Except in the award for writing sketch series on behalf of Saturday Night Live, Lauren Michaels, who produced the Emmys, Telegast offered a defensive broadcast. Michaels noted that when Saturday Night Live premiered in 1975, there are a lot of articles about how the networks wouldn't be here much longer, but here we are in 2018, we're at the Emmys, and we're on NBC. Michaels' case, however, was undermined by the fact that the Emmys had held was one of only two won by a broadcast show. The other went to the newly engaged Glenn Weiss, director of ABC's Oscars telecast. Diversity is incomplete grade. 
As well as award shows in the post-Oscars So White world, diversity and inclusion were touchstones of the Emmy, starting with Kate McKinnon and Kenan Thompson's opening musical number, We Solved It. Black women were well represented on stage, thanks to wins by Thandie Newton and Regina King, and the victory of RuPaul's Drag Race from reality competition series was historic. The first time a reality program took awards for series and host, with RuPaul Charles having won at the Creative Arts Emmys a week earlier, but Killing Eve star Sandra Oh, the first woman of Asian descent nominated for drama actress, lost to Claire Foy of The Crown. And speaking to right ahead of the ceremony, John... Liguzamo, one of the night's only Latino nominees, supporting actor in a limited series for his role in Waco, after scathing appraisal of the industry's inclusion efforts. There's a bit of the culture of apartheid in Hollywood, he said. I feel like Latin people are sometime, or something like a 50% of the population of LA and we're less than 3% of the faces on camera. <clears throat> when Michaels announced his executive producer for this year's Emmys, the stage was set for a show chock full of Saturday Night Live talent. Front and center would be Weekend Update anchors Colin Jost and Michael Che set to host. Provided Chief TV critics Daniel Diardino channeled most critical reactions when he wrote that SNL came to seem diminished. With Che and Jost, whose low-key shtick is familiar with from Weekend Update fan, to raise the energy of the room or even to claim the room as their own. A year after late host show, Stephen Colbert swung and missed with big gambits such as bringing former Trump flack Sean Spicer on stage. Che and Jost played things safe, sticking largely to a structure reminiscent of Update including a must roamed about recurring bit in which the two hosts interacted with Clues Emmy experts Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen. The director, Hamish Hamilton, and a few former tweaks, particularly having the announcer read the nominees' names before the presenters took the stage, kept the show moving. Che and Jost were a drag. Uh, heading into the Emmys, the rise of Netflix was primed to be a dominant, dominant narrative. The story played out but didn't follow the script. After drawing more nominations than HBO the first time in 18 years, another network or platform has done that. Netflix tied the premium cabler for the most wins with 23. Netflix failed once again to land an award for best drama or comedy series with its Emmys distributed over 11 shows. More surprising than Netflix's diffuse haul was the performance of Amazon's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which dominated the comedy categories in a way that no drama or limited series did in its field. Maisel won five awards Monday night, making it the evening's top winner. The show noted eight Emmys overall, including three creative arts Emmys handed out a week earlier, putting it only... One behind field leader Game of Thrones, which won the bulk of its awards in the below the line categories. Bachelor party? I am doing a bachelor. So, according to this, is while this often seems to be the ultimate excuse to hire a stripper, it used to be called the bachelor dinner and came about during Roman times when men would gather for a feast and to toast their comrade. And they would go kidnap the bride, apparently. Ah. Well, I heard... Well, so when my parents were getting married, they still did the kidnapping thing. Like, my uncle and a couple other guys in the wedding party actually took my mom and took her to a bar before they went to the reception, which I think is really fun. Obviously, sometimes there's not the time to do that because you're so constricted with time, but I think that would be super fun. But your bachelor party does... You've been to bachelor parties before that are mostly kind of like food and fun related, not so much getting trashed in strippers. So that's kind of... And sometimes both. Similar, and sometimes both. Because they get two, because they're 
special, I guess. Right. You're not special. Just kidding. Hey, I have, like, it'll be fine. <laughs> and then, all right, another one. Bridal shower. You ended that one real quick. <laughs> you were just like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, uh, bridal shower. Well, I did my bridal shower, so there's that. Yeah, so, the, so let's see. So the tradition is said to come from Holland. There's a legend that a bride's father, if the that a bride's father didn't approve her husband and refused her dowry, so the bride's friends would shower her with gifts so that she would have an, the necessary dowry and could marry the man of her choice. After that, any woman who didn't have a dowry was given a shower by friends. Whether or not the legend is true, the shower stems from friends and neighbors coming together to help a bride with her dowry. Whether it was because her father didn't approve of her groom or because her family was too poor to afford a dowry. So that's definitely very old school. Huh. Dowries have long gone away. It's kind of cool, though, to think of that, that their friends were so nice and they just wanted her to get married so badly that they would just right. buy you gifts. It's really weird that, like, the man would just say no. It's like, I can't marry you. You don't have a dowry. Okay, yeah. bye. Well, there are some cultures that still do that, I think, that they do dowries. Whenever I think of that, I always think of, um, remember the movie Holes well, and Book? When, remember, the, you had to bring the biggest pig to the oh, father yeah. to marry your yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was funny. And then, like, it was, like, this big, heavy guy. And then this, like, young, good-looking guy. And then it was a young girl. And then the pigs were the same size. She's like, I don't know. And then she wouldn't decide. Like, it was, she got to pick and didn't know. Oh, obnoxious. Okay. Huh. Uh, Gotta love it. Bridal showers are super fun. Except some of the weird games that go along with it. There are some games that I've been, that I've seen online that are like, they actually found, they actually got Andrew to go somewhere and Mm -hmm. they, it was kind of like the newlywed game, except it was pre-recorded for Andrew's side. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun. I like that stuff, like where you get to find out things, like how well they know the bride and whatever, but I don't like the cheesy stuff. Like, in my opinion, it's cheesy. Yeah, we, like, the the bridal bingo and the... the What's bridal bingo? The, so, you have a bingo card and you write down things that, you know, the bride may have. And if she gets it while you're opening presents, you may... Oh, make, is that for, like, when they open... So, it's like... So, it's a present opening, Do you have like spatulas? Activities. Spatulas! Yeah. Or towels or whatever randomness. Yeah. The other one... There's one out there that's, like, you have to... Everyone gets, like, a, like a ring pop... And if you say the word, there's like certain things that you say like ring or marry or something like that. And if someone catches you say that word, they take your ring and whoever has the most rings at the end wins. Interesting. So I don't know. Those are not my style. I was very, I feel like mine compared to like some other people's may have been more traditional besides the newlywed game. But I had a good time. Yeah, Those are traditions I never knew about with that whole thing about knots. Oh, yeah. Oh, the bows. The bows, So if not you knots. broke a bow on your, um, like, on any of your wedding presents, that's how many children you have, or that's how many children you're going to have. I... And Andrew didn't know that at first. So no, then we started breaking... He started, I, I accidentally not, broke a bow. I didn't... I was... I was being very calculated with opening those and went very... I opened a lot more bows they thought it was going to trip me up. I think I only had to cut one. I think there, yeah, I think there were maybe like one or two that we did just for time's sake. And they're like, you're not having, you're not being fun. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to break all the bows. Some superstitions come true. Yeah, I don't And need, I don't need eight children no, or anything no like that. Okay, uh, here's another one. I'm just, I don't know why this is really considered a tradition, but bridesmaids. Some people don't have them. Yeah. We right away they didn't have any. Exactly. So All you need are witnesses, technically. Technically. And you can even use, like, your parents. Like, you go to a courthouse wedding, 
All you need is two other people there with you, and that's mm, it. And they can be complete strangers. Good. You can hire some hobos to come in and sign their names. Huh. Anyway, I want to hear where this comes from. All right, from. so bridesmaids, at least as we know them, help the bride prepare for a big day, but once upon a time, their duties were much more serious. A custom once existed where maidens dressed similar to the bride would accompany her as her protector on her way to the groom's village. They would defeat spurned suitors from kidnapping the bride or from stealing her dowry. Also, it was Roman law that several witnesses accompanied the bride and groom so as to confuse the evil spirits trying to get at the couple. That's why in many older photos, the bridesmaids are dressed like the bride. It wasn't tacky to dress like the bride. It was crucial. Ah. Interesting. That makes sense. I mean... Yeah, I've, I've heard of that tradition before of being like... They were, um, they were dressed similar to the bride as to, yeah, for the whole ward off evils, like, prevent evil spirits from knowing which one was the bride. For I some. thought that was the flower girl. Like, they, they, the flower girl is dressed like the bride so that they can take the kid instead of the Wow. <laughs> Oops. Okay. Obviously, my history is not in wedding history through the ages is not up to par. Alright, um, here's the same thing, groomsmen, obviously, we're having, Reverend Brides are having groomsmen, um. Unless you're really, really cool and hipster, and just have bridesmaids. Everyone, everyone's a bridesmaid. All ladies. Oh. It, it happens. It does. It happens I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's probably weddings where, if you have, like, a best guy friend or a best girlfriend, and they want him to be on your side. Yeah. Like, uh, I saw pictures of some weddings that were like that. I mean... It's a different time now. I wouldn't be opposed to it. No. Like, I'm sure if I had, a, like, a really close friend that was a girl, you probably wouldn't care if she stood up on my side or... Nope. And I think the only reason you don't have one of your really close guy friends on your side is because he wouldn't do it because he's very traditional. He is very traditional. And it would just say no. It wouldn't yeah. be like, was it Man of Honor, Maid of Honor, yeah, whatever that Man movie was. Man of Honor with Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, the one where he was, like, the Maid of Honor, but he was a guy. It was weird. And he like does he like in love with her? Which yeah, made it and then weird. they get married at the end. I don't, I don't remember that. Spoiler movie, alert! Spoiler alert for a movie from like twenty years ago. No, probably ten. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not ten that to fifteen. Long. It was probably mid two thousand. Okay. Anyway, I want to hear this. Okay, so the most popular myth associated with having groomsmen is from in a more primitive time when men kidnapped their brides. And you talked about that. You said that's something your parents did. Um, when women came into short supply locally, eligible bachelors would have to seek out and capture a bride from a neighboring community. The groomsmen, called bride knights, helped their friend capture his bride. The first ushers and best men were more like a small army, fighting <laughs> off the bride's angry relatives as the groom rode away with her. <laughs> then they stood guard at the ceremony to protect the groom from the bride's angry family. Additionally, as with bridesmaids, having groomsmen present would help confuse evil spirits as the groom's true identity. I can imagine just your set of groomsmen trying to, like, go into battle. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> It'd be so bad we'd totally lose. Yeah. So, awkward silence sorry, the weird because dole. he's making a zzzz. Probably the zump pump. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Ah, um, uh, I'm right. Yeah, it's up with the zump pump. Anyway, yes, his... Andrew's a nerd, so his friends are also kind of nerdy, and so imagining them going into battle would be just... It's like LARPing. That's what I would compare it to. Like you're, LARPing? They would maybe be able to survive LARPing. I don't know. You know, if there's some pretty tough guys out there, I have no idea if they would survive. Yeah, it'll be, it would be interesting. It's definitely going to be a weird assortment of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the white wedding dress. In your dries, um, I don't know if it's the exact color, but it's not... It's white-ish, right? Yes. It's sure. Well, well, I mean, ivory. 
Ivory. Ivory champagne Even though I said I wasn't going to get a champagne dress. Champagne-ish. It does not look like it from the outside, but if you pull the layers back, which I hope you're not going to do. Yeah, why would you Because I wouldn't want it to ruin anything on it, but yes, it's like right. partially, it's weird. I don't know. Anyway, let's keep going. Okay, so there was a time not so long ago when the bride's dress was just the nicest one in her closet, and it wasn't necessarily white. <sighs> would have been so nice <laughs> uh, queen victoria's wedding in 1840 set the tone for the next 150 years her white wedding dress is the one that started it all although brides continue to wear dresses of other colors queen victoria's decision to go with white became the top option for most brides has been has been ever since interestingly before queen victoria's wedding and the prevalence of white dresses blue was a traditional color for bridal gowns blue represented purity as white does for today's bride there you go. You would, love to, blue. A, you would love to have worn a blue. Well, it depends. Do they want, like, would it be navy blue? Would it be sky blue? Like, there's so yeah. many different blues. I don't know what would be, like, p- considered pure in terms of blue. Yeah. I always think, well, I don't know. If it's, like, a sky blue, it's already pretty light anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the bride wears a veil. And I don't even know if you are wearing a veil. Uh, Maybe? I have decided. to order one? Yeah. Probably. Because I know I've seen some where, like, the brides have, like, I've seen, like, pictures where, like, the bride has, like, a veil, but it's not really covering her face. It's kind of just, like, in her hair. Yeah. Or, like, it's never in front of her face. It's always, like, put back. Yeah. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. So, apparently, so according to this, veils can be traced back to Roman times and symbolize the bride's virginity, modesty, and purity. That symbolism has been lost over the years, but the tradition of wearing a veil has continued. Interesting note, in Roman times, the veil covered the bride from head to toe and was later used as a burial shroud. Perfect. That's, that should I, that's what I should do. Head to toe. A burial shroud. Perfect. Because well, I'm going to keep it until I'm 76 years old. I hope you live longer than that. But we'll eh, see. That's what all my death calculators have said. So <laughs> death I, calculators. You know, I, because I'm all weird and believe in that kind of crap. But, oh, gosh. Oh, well. All, all right, right, continue. All right, another one is Bride Carries Bouquet. And I've been at the flower meeting at least one of them, so I know you are having a bouquet, and so are all the bridesmaids. Um, I am. Probably one of the, the things that you would think that would be, like, more of, like, on the less expensive side could be even more, like, some of the quotes I got for my flowers were more than, like, my DJ or my photographer. Like, it was ridiculous. Yes. But I'm going with a nice guy who's got, like, a little farm, and he's a farm guy and has done pretty cool things, so I'm happy that I'm happy with my choice because I'm not spending an arm and a leg. Right. And I, I, I still, like, I talked to, like, I asked about these little notches in the ground. I was like, what in the world? So, you can tell it's, but it, isn't it said it's basically how you visualize how big your bouquet should be? Yeah. So, he hasn't, so you sit at this table and there's a couple notches in the table because when he asks you, because no one's going to know, like, oh, I want a 10 inch round or I want a 12 inch round. Like, you don't know it because you're not in the, most people are not in the flower business. So he has you stand up by the table and say, okay, if you look down at your bouquet, like how big? And then you kind of like move your hands to see like how big. And then based on the notches in the in the table, he can tell how big. So I did mine and he's like, oh, 12 inches. That's about right. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't have. I would have probably asked for like a five inch one. And he would have been like, that's way too small. Like an itty bitty little thing, so but yeah, flowers. it was. That's cool, but what a flower bouquet! You didn't say the yeah, history behind it's, it. It's a, that guy was very down to earth. I really liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Nope, not just because flowers are pretty. In fact, the history of bouquets came from ancient times when women carried aromatic bunches of garlic, herbs, and spices to ward off evil spirits. Perfect. Different herbs meant different things. Sage meant wisdom, for example. Later, flowers replaced herbs and took on meaning all their own. Orange blossoms, for example, mean happiness and fertility. Ivy means fidelity. Lilies mean purity. Didn't know any of that. No. Although... You could, if you wanted to be a real recycling bride, you could probably put all those things in, like the sage and stuff. You can make yourself a really nice soup. <laughs> just put it in there. Just have a soup. And make a nice stock. You can just have it for weeks. This is my bouquet stock. Yeah, I made this. It's Then you can have it on your anniversary. You can have like a soup. I don't know. Soup? soup. I'll have a soup. Uh, okay, old news bar. What? Old, new, borrowed, and blue. Yeah, it says news, which is... Well, out. news, like if there's multiple new things. Right, right. So that's the... So it's old, new, borrowed, and blue. Which I said, I think, at the beginning. But, um... So I don't know if you have anything... Blue. I have no idea. I don't think so. Well, as, hasn't been... Dis- I haven't gotten that far yet. You have something old. Even though they're... Let's look You have something old now. and new, which is... Your jewelry is kind of old and new. Yeah. Let's see. What is the countdown? Gotta love these wedding apps. I don't know if I would be able to do it without it. Do you want to plug the wedding 90, app you're using? 93. No, I don't want them to ask me for money. Um, 93 days until we get married. But yes, so. It's free advertising. I've got fine. Eh, like, it's not like, isn't it like Wedding Wire or something? I don't know. Whatever. Liz doesn't want to share. It's fine. Meh. Meh. I don't care. Um, okay, so. It's a uh, superstition, that's all it is. It dates back to the Victorian era and is said to bring the bride good luck. But something old was meant to tie the bride to her family and her past, while the something new represented a new life as the property of a new family. The item borrowed was supposed to be taken from someone who was already a successfully married wife, so as to pass on a bit of her good fortune to the new bride. The color blue also mentioned stood for purity. Oh, there you go. Mm. Well, I know I have the old and new. I don't really know if I have anything borrowed. In blue, I have no clue. I need to borrow something blue. <laughs> there you go. We're gonna We're fuck gonna the sodomites in, in the... I bought a penis. How do you think I felt, you son of a bitch? That happened to me. So today at lunch, we're sitting there in our at our table, normal spots. You know, you know how. Who took my spot? No one really. Like it's just me, me, Brandon. We have our spots, and then everybody just finds a place when they get there. Um, So I'm like the tomb of the unknown soldier. I'm that. That POW chair at all the sporting events in the United States. Some chair that's always open. Sometimes somebody sits there. Don't fucking ruin what I just said. Nobody ever Make sits Make me there. feel good about myself for once. That Let's be real here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you deserve it? Do you deserve this? Do you deserve self-esteem? No. I haven't so, had self-esteem since I was a boy. So we're sitting there as usual, like we do every day. And then at the end of the table, a guy sits down, an older gentleman, not wearing any pants, any uniform of sorts, 
maybe maybe he was. I don't know what the shirt said. So you, but... you can't confirm that he was wearing pants. No. Okay. <laughs> Table was in the way. All right. Uh, so he just sits down, pulls out something to read. What I can't remember what it was. If it was like just a newspaper. The or... sex by. Yeah. Yeah. Kama Sutra, you know, yeah. or the Art of War. Uh, and he just starts whistling to himself. Oh, what a horrible person. <laughs> it was actually really good. <laughs> it was oh. really good, like, honestly, like, Grammy nominee whistling. Okay. Like, it was strong. It, is it this, was... like, as good as yodeling Walmart kid quality, or is this better than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's both. <laughs> yes. Also, yes. So it, it's like, it, it's it's really strong whistling, what? But it was also like really beautiful. Like it was very pretty whistling. That would make you it know? even more aggravating. I was. <laughs> and he, I, he, agree I with look. You. I, I would want to burn this he guy's house down. I would want to burn that guy's house down with this he family starts, inside of it. He starts whistling, and I notice it, and I'm just like, I look over, and I'm like, this motherfucker's whistling. <laughs> Just to himself, like, does he not see us here? Like, he's having a good fucking yeah, day. Yeah, no, he is. He is. It. He is in the zone. Like, we, sometimes I him. call that bebopping. And uh, it, it, he's just, he's just whistling. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, wait. I'm just like looking around, waiting for like woodland critters to fucking <laughs> pop up and start listening to him. <laughs> Bring him some food. No, it was pretty. It was really pretty, whistling, whistling. And then please, please I, I started looking up at, like, Brandon, Joe, a couple other people. You and the shit. I, I started looking at them, see if they noticed. They're not paying attention at all. They're just in there. They're doing their own thing. And then out of nowhere, I see Brandon go. <laughs> and then shortly after that, Joe goes, what the fuck? I thought that was the TV. <laughs> <laughs> and then and so we're just like, I'm just like dying laughing like hiding my face from this guy but also laughing seeing so they can see that i'm laughing and then i look over at cliff this big old ginger he looks like a giant orangutan yeah hairless orangutan well he's very hairy yeah so not necessarily hairless like donald trump yeah topical put Um, an orangutan (laughs) topical topical humor uh and i look over at him and he's going like soloing (laughs) to the fucking to the whistle what an awesome guy. <laughs> what an awesome... I'm glad somebody made fun of him. Cliff's a badass dude. This dude deserves to be punished for daring show his talents in public. I would fucking How dare hate. you, sir? Oh, it's it like, was, that son of a... It was honestly the highlight of my day. That's pathetic. <laughs> I love it was, that. It was really good whistling. Hand like, me another beer. I'm really too much excellent of a cynic to whistling. appreciate human talent. Like... It's like when I see somebody like, you know, in, in downtown and you like painting in public or something like that. I'm just, I just want to come up and just like sl- tear that painting to shreds right in front of them. Just like, s- just stop. Just stop trying to introduce beauty to this world. It's not working. <laughs> the world is not worthy. I don't feel Tyler, better. <laughs> I want you to know I'm giving you this beer not because you told me to give you. You commanded it. I'm telling you, I'm giving you this beer because I believe you need a beer. Okay. You can put it back in the refrigerator if you want, and I can get up and get it. No. Okay. I'm giving it to you. Hand it to me. I'm a good person. That's subjective. I uh, had a similar experience at Jimmy John's. Um, 
I forgot. <laughs> this, I, I forgot that you worked at Jimmy John's. I spent four years there. This is no, uh, really like every, it's now that whenever I go back, you know, I, I I spent four years there, so I just judge the shit out of everything about every Jimmy John's I go to now. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. I'm sure you have the same thing happen. You go to a Penn Station. Yep. Like, what a bunch of fucking amateurs. Yep. What monocles. a fucking bunch you of strokes. You call this fresh cut? My God. I'm, but, I'm same with monocles. Yeah. But yeah, this kid, he's you know he's probably like 17. You know, still full of happiness. It doesn't look like he's been crushed into a, a hardcore cynic yet by life. And he starts, he's taking my order because there's nobody at the register. He just, you know, he throws the gloves on. You know, he's hes just feeling great about it. He's himself. fucking doing it. And he starts drumming with the knife as he's taking my order. Just but good, doing a good job. And I'm just sitting there getting more and more upset. <laughs> it's, it, dude, I, it's a problem. Like, I'm just like getting so aggravated by him. I'm just like... I hope that blade snaps and hits right in the eye, buddy. I'm just like, stop showing your talents to the world. Like, it's, there's no beauty. It's amazing how many times I do that on a week or on a weekly basis. <laughs> just judge the shit. Just, ju- I, 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 I mean, it, that's one of my biggest faults as a human being. I am, I am extremely fucking judgmental, and it's always the littlest shit that fucking sets me off. It is the teeniest shit. Like, why is that motherfucker smiling at me? What's so fucking happy? How fucking dare you? <laughs> that happened, okay, in the in the locker room, leaving. Uh, I, so, I, I take my pantsuit off, getting ready to go. Cameron, or Cameron goes to the bathroom. Uh, out of nowhere, some giant bald man. He's not, like, he's just tall. He's not, like, big. He's just tall. He comes through, looks at me, and goes on and starts talking to somebody. He goes, well, he's not here. It's something, I'm like... Okay, so I, I go off to the side, away for Cameron. Cameron goes, "Have you ever been so pissed off at someone smiling at you?" <laughs> and I'm I like, get it. "I'm like, ah, that's weird that he said that." And then he starts explaining. He's like, "I was I was taking a piss, <laughs> I was taking a piss, and this guy fucking counts up, and just looks me right in the face and smiles." <laughs> he has a lisp. He has a very strong like, accent. I was like, I swear to God, that just fucking happened to me. <laughs> I, uh, Bald guy, he's like, yep. This uh, this past week, I had another wedges creation. I shit on another young young mind at the lunch table mm-hmm. for the exact same thing that created Cameron. Except this time, it was pickled eggs instead of potato wedges. Ah. So, long story short, the kid that he's talking about, uh, right after he started working at Subaru was staring at my food and then asked me for my food before I was finished with it. Oh. And I fucking lit him oh, up. Oh, yeah, you did. I fucking lit <laughs> yeah, him up. Yeah, you did. And then after that, I took him under my wing, and now on a weekly basis, I shit down his neck because he doesn't have a father, so it's my job to make him not a piece of shit. But he's still a piece of shit, so I just keep grinding his dick into the dirt more and more. done that for me. But, uh... <laughs> This new this new kid that we have at the shop where I work asked So Monday a guy that I work with gave him a pickled egg because he'd never had a pickled egg before. The next day, this guy cracks open his jar of pickled eggs that he makes on his, at fucking home on his free time and he's fucking grabbing an egg out of there, he fucking eats it, grabs another egg, doing his thing. And this kid is at the other end of the table just staring at him, watching him eat those eggs. And I'm I'm eating my, did that. I'm eating my lunch and I'm just I'm like my blood is starting to boil. <laughs> I know what's gonna fucking come next. The cycle must end. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And he, like, as soon as he opened his mouth, I just fucking snapped. He goes, <laughs> hey, can I have one of your eggs? And I just fucking lit him up. The same way that I lit Cameron up. Don't fucking ask people for food. Do not beg for food. You're not a fucking dog at the dinner table. I mean, <laughs> fuck, man. Go to the fucking grocery store. Spend a dollar on a fucking can of corn. If you're that hungry, find something to eat. You can also pickle his own eggs. Yes! Asshole. Fuck! <laughs> Asshole. Yeah, what, what a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic no, or no, not. No, no, no. I'm just like, I'm, I'm getting angry picturing a kid staring at me while I'm eating my pickled like, eggs. No, seriously. That I made. like this. Just waiting for the guy to notice just, and offer just, him one. Yes, just waiting for the guy to say, do you want one of these eggs? Like, okay, I get it. Like, he, he brings the jar of uh, pickled eggs out. Like, hey, man, do you mind if I have another one of those eggs? Those were really good. You did a really good job pickling those eggs. It makes me want to have another one. Like, fucking pump the guy's numbers up a little bit to convince him to give you a fucking egg. But no, he, he fucking stared at him for five minutes, barely blinking, like, I'm going to get me one of those fucking eggs. I need I'm going to fucking get me one of those <laughs> eggs. Like, like he fucking walks in the room. Y'all got any lamps in here? Like, that's the moth lamp meme. Oh, I am in love with those memes right now. Y'all got any lamps in here? Uh, Travis and Andy were in a meme group, and they there somebody sent one today that was like seven black dudes with the moth head. <laughs> and it was like a teeny tiny white girl with the light bulb for the head. Oh, <laughs> and there goes my future political career. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> How do you think she felt? Full. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Full. <laughs> but yeah, fuck it. Just leave people alone, man. Don't beg for food. This isn't Africa. This is fucking America. I moved really far away from everyone I know. I, I thought you were uh, going to say Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I moved very far away from Africa and... uh Good choice so far, but yeah, no, really. I less AIDS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to worry about it's Ebola it's now. It's Richmond, Indiana, so the amount of AIDS probably roughly somewhere to your average African uh, war zone. So I don't know. But, but are, is is the amount of child soldiers the same? Um, <laughs> Coney twenty twelve. Oh, oh God, I shit on that fucking those... campaign so God. hard. There's nothing fucking worse to me i know there's a lot of things that are worse than other things but everything's worse than everything else like that's right. i'm my, the cynicism runs deep but since facebook is a large part of my interaction since i don't know anybody in richmond i just have to experience them through like richmond garage sale pages and stuff oh, which I joined, oh, I, I joined just to get mad i joined them just for like just to fuel my, my hatred oh shit so, like seeing people like um like there's a page for it's called richmond speak out where people go on there and complain about stuff and and just seeing this, the kinds of people in their broken English, like complaining about, you know, like oh, nobody donated to my my GoFundMe for to go on my trip to to New Orleans. You know, it's just like I thought that moving away from Lafayette would help me like deal with like the stupidity of people I know, but now it's just stupidity of strangers. <laughs> it gets and, better if you get out of the Midwest. That's what people tell me, man. It does. Like, I have been trying to convince my wife to move out of this fucking place for almost 10 years now and she won't do it and it's like every year i see more and more dumb fucking people immigrate to this shithole of a state the, the new trend on facebook is these free pages they're oh, no yeah. longer selling stuff they ask for they're, they're you you post something you say you can have this 
but I just see people get on there and like, can you deliver it to my house? And you know, it's like, oh, can you, you know, paint it or something like that? It's just, uh, or they get on there and ask for things like somebody today was asking for a Doppler for an infant. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm sure that's hundreds of dollars, right? Am I crazy? I mean, you have kids, you understand like, okay, so this community uh, ravaged by heroin is now full of people that are constantly asking for the most unreasonable free things in the world. And I'm getting on there. I've been banned from every page because I said the F word. Oh. Yeah, yeah, oh that's what will get you banned, but not like... Lordy, lordy, you sinner. How mm. dare you say fun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, very hard to troll them, too. These people, like, they're too dumb to they troll. They still get it. Yeah, they, they think it's serious. <laughs> I got in trouble in Lafayette for uh, advertising my neighbor's dog on a drive sale page. <laughs> <laughs> I said... I swear to God, I swear to God, I had a detective. I had to talk to a detective about it. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, you know, they were going to come pick me up in Indy for it. Um, in Richmond, I do the same exact thing, and, and everybody just makes offers on the dog. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not funny. Yeah, That's nobody's mad. Yeah, they're just, yeah. You're blending into the couch so well. You're just a floating head yes. and hands. Yeah, yeah. Good color you're, you're fucking Andros. Oh, <laughs> hey, okay, yeah, yeah, great reference. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. it's only my favorite in '64 game. Yeah, back when video games were good. worth a damn. Mm-hmm. No story, but worth a damn. Star Fox had a beautiful story. Beautiful? Yeah. Yeah, you were fighting a giant monkey. Yeah, you were fucking avenging the death of your father, who died for the fucking benefit of Corneria. You're not wrong. He was the light that held back the darkness, and you had to step in his place. Did you play a secret submarine level? Yes. Sweet. And you had to, you had to <laughs> fucking. That's where that is. Softball question. You had, to de- you had to defeat your arch nemesis and your rival, fucking Star Wolf. Pigma. Star Wolf had. They had the cooler. Pigma they was, had the cooler crew. Yeah, Pigma was definitely my real nemesis, like my personal nemesis. Fuck that guy. I wanted to be Star Wolf. From now on, when I run into somebody especially stupid on the internet and it's just time to really troll them, I'm just going to say to myself, all range mode. <laughs> it's time for a boss battle. <laughs> yes! What's wrong with being childish? I like being childish. Before I go, I just want to tell you, you are fantastic. Never trust dark. It's just a way to hide your face. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. Pointing his screwdrivers like that. They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. Gallifrey! Yes, this must be where I live. Was it right. creepy when he kissed him? Mm-hmm. Did that bother you guys? Well, too? yeah, even the kid thought it was creepy. He looked at him and he was like, the fuck? Yeah, which we'll get into that in a second. So the doctor goes to the. Uh, Institute of Science and Academia or some shit. Where this clock is. Where the beryllium atomic clock is and he's got to try to figure out how to get this one piece out of it. So, Which I don't think they ever explained. Why he needs it or what it's even going to do. If they did, I missed it. Me also. They didn't explain it. And we also need to talk about how he got his memories back because that was completely random. They never explained what the Eye of Harmony is. I mean, that's one of those things like... Oh, they oh, just, yeah. it's, it's only ever talked about before that in the Doctor Who universe. They ne- That's never been anything. It's just like a rumor, you know, whispers or whatever. It's supposed to be somewhere on the TARDIS. Somehow the master just knows where it is and yeah. how to open it. And this, and it just and what it's gonna do. happens and what, and what it's going to do. 
and he's like, oh, it'll totally show us. They the don't doctor. explain anything. They just are just oh, now you can see through the doctor's eyes because he he like opens this this big hole in the floor. You know, he takes a Lee. Kind of looks like the eye of the Technodrome from Turtles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he tells Lee he's that Lee's got to look into this light. You know, pull some staff out and look at this light, and it just opens it up. Whatever, and then the doctor just. Oh, now I know who I am. Like he's off on some date with this lady, you know, the Grace lady at the time, and just like starts getting all his memories back. You know, it's like, oh, now I remember this and Gallifrey and this, and she starts, and then she thinks he's crazy because she's he starts rambling about everything. But it's well, like if you were listening to that conversation, you would have too, right? No, I'm not defending her. I'm just stating this is what happened, and they never explain it. They never explain the whole movie what the Eye of Harmony is, why it does that. Or like, how it can exchange the the lives between the doctor and the master, which is his ultimate goal for this movie. Anyway, right? It doesn't. He just it, wants to steal the doctor's lives. Yeah, it so, may, they have. They do not explain what it is for at right. all. Uh, now, during the time the Eye of Harmony is open, all of a sudden the doctor realizes that he is being he's someone's visualizing what he's seeing through the Eye of Harmony, and all of a sudden every fucking memory he's had comes back. And he mm-hmm. ultimately, in two tenths of a second, knows the master's ultimate plan and can just right. perfectly he recite it, it out. Yeah. But having not seen the master, although here's continuity error that a huge continuity error I picked up. In that scene, you see the master flash in the doctor's eyes. So the mm-hmm. doctor sees what the master looks like. But then when the master shows up at Grace's house. He doesn't after, recognize him. Right. He has no idea who the fuck he is and totally just goes along with it like yeah. an idiot. Like it, it does not make a damn lick of sense whatsoever. No, and in in Doctor Who, you normally would think, oh no, he's got it together. He knows. He knows. He's just playing it cool, you know. But no, later on, they're in the ambulance, and then Surprise. like his yeah, his gla- sunglasses fall off, and you see his reptile eyes or whatever. The doctor's like, eh, it's the master. Like you just see him. He finally actually realizes it, and then he's just like. And shoots acid out of his mouth onto the Grace, Grace lady's yeah. arm, and she's like burning from acid. And then, like the next frame, they don't even talk about it. Like right. she's just cool, no bandages, no eating a hole through her skin. And they, they sh- what? What is this? And then they, that's when they drop the half human line somewhere in there. I'm only half human, Grace. Yeah. Excuse me. Like. Yeah, and when do they start like having the love interest? Like all of a sudden, like the doctor becoming extra oh. affectionate towards Grace is so not in the doctor's character. No. I mean, it no. took him. That's why I said this is the American version where they were boosting oh, the romance man. factor to try to get people interested in Doctor Who. Terrible. It, it essentially took him two seasons of knowing Rose to get to that level. One season, and yeah, is and then Eggleston, we don't even get it. And then you still don't even really technically get it until f- season four. So I mean, and even then, it's. Like, Mm-hmm. <sighs> the doctor's mm-hmm. half human there. Never... <laughs> the doctor Donna. Oh. Just saying that maybe that's what they were trying to build towards. But eventually... they need to really explain that because they didn't. they didn't. He just straight up regenerated, and now all of a sudden they say half human. Mm-hmm. And then what? Then we get the mini episode, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, we're getting ready. To get uh, that. Where he regenerates into. Oh. <laughs> But we'll I have get some problems it. there. Just, yeah. But let's get back to this movie, though. Anyways. So the Doctor and Grace successfully steal the thing from the Beryllium clock. They head back yeah. to the TARDIS. 
in the TARDIS, Grace turns on the doctor because the master had spit the poison on her. And she becomes possessed. And she becomes possessed with these like black demon eyes and yeah. they trap the doctor. And so the now he's a demon and she, a reptile. That was the least scary she's looked the entire movie also. <laughs> right. I thought the same. <laughs> that was a really interesting looking lady, okay? She's Who's... got some very severe features. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But when she was possessed, she almost looked normal. Yeah. <laughs> Almost normal. Uh, so they trap the doctor in this contraption, and they're going to begin using the Eye of Harmony to extract his remaining uh, regenerations and put them into the master. Mm-hmm. Lee's just like, cool, we're doing this, guys. It's yeah. fun. Like, I'm excited. They're, she's possessed, bro. Like, doctor, she's possessed. She's not going to listen to you. I love that line. Like, Mm-mm. Well, of course, she's possessed, you know. God, listening to you talk about this movie makes me hate it even more. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Um, oh, it's bad. I mean, and, we warned the listeners. Yeah, it's, it's it's absolutely atrocious. Abysmal. For for very obvious reasons, I think. Uh, but so the this attempt is happening, and somehow, some way, oh, uh, he... The master has to blind Grace because he forces her to look into the eye of harmony to actually she's start. A human. Because she's the only yeah. human and he killed Apparently Lee. that's a role to opening the eye, which is never explained that you need a human or something. And also, why did the doctor need to be in that contraption? To, to keep his eyes open so that way the life force could be sucked out of him so and transferred into... They needed that whole metal... like nails. S like super BDSM, <laughs> dude. I'm telling you, this was like a, a softcore porn with no porn. Yeah, yeah. the sets, the Everything. like the filming, the lighting, all of it. It was like a bad play. There was. Do you remember Oof. earlier in the movie? There was like a really fucking awful cut. It just went black screen real quick, and then all of a sudden we're on like the San Francisco Bridge for a tenth of a second. Yeah, and it was it just was, like '90s sitcom. Yeah, it was right after the big dramatic Frankenstein moment where he's like, oh. Ah, yeah, right. cut, yeah. and then it's like the city of San Francisco. And another news: watching, there's a like, giant beryllium or clock. something. Boo, do, 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 do. Do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, should we do a Golden Girls podcast? Is that on the docket? I have too many things in my head. I know. Talk it, about derailing. Brains too full of stuff. Anyways, back to this movie <laughs> and its poorness. Uh, Grace. Because Lee gets killed by the master, Grace gets forced to look into the Eye of Harmony to start the process that's the master taking the, the regenerative lives of the doctor. And she's like, I'm blind. And the doctor's like, don't worry, Grace. Your sight will come back to you shortly. Like, it's all going to yeah. be fine. And she blindly finds her way to the control console of the TARDIS. Jesus Christ. Oh, I have... Yeah, I, I need to rant about that. Please do. Because they just... Leap this woman it's just a woman she's just a lady she's like oh what do i need to do doctor like he's freaking lassie you know like he doesn't even say anything just like oh yeah control room oh so i need to go reroute the power oh control room yeah yeah oh so i need to go do this like, like why she does she automatically know? fucking knew what she was supposed to do no 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 that's not how it works it's a freaking tardis <laughs> it's 1999 this lady does not know what she's doing why would she know to even go underneath the console at all? Why would she know what she's doing? There's just wires hanging down. So apparently she's just... This hard oh, cool. It's she's, so hard. She's like, like oh, what? shit. I've, I've hot-wired one car in my life, and this TARDIS is like a car, apparently. But 
No. She, she was having the conversation as if she understood the theory of what she was having to do, like why right. she had they kept to do it. to make this woman seem like she was a match for the doctor. Not it was like, so stupid. It was yeah. so stupid because it was not thought through. It was not explained. Like, why would this fucking doctor know anything? Like, it, she didn't even say like, oh, I like physics or something. You know, no, like, oh, all I, she I did. I like physics is I the episode know. title. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I like physics. All she did was kill the seventh doctor. That's all she did. Yeah, really? she's, she's a murderer. Like, yeah. I'm just going to stick this scope in your heart. <laughs> yeah. And then the doctor's just like, well, she's probably to be trusted. You know, like, let's make out with her for a little while. Gallifrey, like, this must be where I live. Like, bummer of a movie, man. It's it's poor. So <laughs> ultimately, fever dream. One fever dream. second Super left, mad. she rewires the TARDIS to go through a temporal <laughs> loop. Yeah, and <clears throat> undo everything, and they're able to save the day. Five and, seconds to spare. And the doctor brings Grace ultimately back to life because the master throws her. And uh, and yeah, Lee. that was the best part of the movie when the master <laughs> threw her off the fucking balcony. Off the yeah. balcony, he's like, yeah. "Bitch!" And throws her right off, and she just crashes. I was like, "Yeah, all right, <laughs> finally something good happens yeah. in this movie." His dramatic entrance with his his outfit was pretty Ugh. great too. His oh, stupid yeah, Mortal Kombat meets <laughs> Doctor <Yeah>. Strange. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. that's actually, yeah. an, I'm pretty sure. Well, uh, I've got some facts from this uh, movie pulled up that we'll talk about here in a second, but. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's an original Doctor Who uh, Gallifreyan costume that they used for the movie. It's mm. not like a lame. extra lame. <laughs> uh, totally. But it was grandiose. Right. It was totally Shit. grandiose. Grandiose, uh, yes. So he saves them. Everything's going to go back to normal. He displaces them back in time and says, everything's cool now. And Lee, you shouldn't come back in next year in Christmas for some oh, reason, God. essentially. God. Like he's some sort of soothsayer. Like prophet. God. He knows all, you know. And then he's like, Grace, don't you want to know? And she's like, now I don't want to know. Like, fuck you. Don't tell me. I don't want to know this shit. He, he, so he doesn't tell her. He hops back on the TARDIS, sits back down to chair. read his book that started the whole movie, HG. Ew, they forced the, the full machine. circle. They forced it. Oh, it was awful. And then Ooh, the it. record skips again, and he goes, Oh, not again, which is dumb um, and right. poor. So before we move on, let's go ahead, starting what? with, go ahead. What did they think they were was going to happen when they made this movie? What did they think they were going to get know. out of this? They wanted to kill Doctor Who, you guys. I think that they wanted to kill it. I think they pulled things out of a hat and they said, a, well. There's a documentary that's actually on that DVD. That, about what? About making the movie and like why they did oh, really? it. So we can well, watch. Well, we should have fucking watched that before we did well, this podcast. Well, we can report <laughs> yeah, on Now I feel uninformed yeah. well, with my rant. Well, I need no. to feel justified. But they they did try <laughs> to put love into it, and they wanted to bring the series back because it was on the shelf for so long, and they didn't think anybody else would do it. So they applied for the rights, and BBC said, "Sure, take a shot." I mean, they were wrong. They you were know, wrong. at some point, we're also going to watch the uh, Peter Cushing Doctor Who and the Daleks movie, right? Dr. Who and the Daleks, and I've never seen that, but I hear it is rotten trash. So. <laughs> Great! Uh, I can't wait to dedicate can't be more much of word. my time yeah. and it's energy not, it's not, to something it's, that isn't good. It's non-canonical; like it doesn't actually exist in the Whoverse. Oh, then I don't need to see that. Exactly. You can watch that on your it's own. It's one of those. Yeah, totally. <laughs> my time is precious um, to me these days, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go on. ahead and round table this real quick. Let's rate it out of five. Why do we even need to rate it? Just because. Why not? We were informing our audience what we personally believe out of five, five. being a good movie. Yeah. Okay, well, you go first. Point five. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Point five is my final answer. Like the saving grace for this entire thing is one thing. Paul McGann is the doctor. Yeah. If they would have channeled a better script, if they would have given him a better opportunity, I think he knocks it out of the fucking park. Yeah. And slays as the doctor. And actually, they kind of felt bad and wanted to include him more, so they gave they kind of throw him a bone leading into the fiftieth, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But uh, who wants to go next on their rating? Well, um, out of five, I'd give this movie a one and a half. <laughs> generous. Yeah, it was generous. I'm being generous. Um, yeah, one and a half. Only because there were certain things that I could tolerate about it. You know, there was some light brevity and some humor here and there, which I could mm-hmm. appreciate mm-hmm. their attempts. I really liked who played the doctor, honestly. Paul like, McGann, that's the yeah. only reason that it even is getting anything from mm-hmm. me, because I liked him. Um, everything else fucking sucked. I thought mm-hmm. the TARDIS set was cool, too. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> this movie was almost a little, like, goth in its, mm-hmm. like, yeah. danziginess with the broken <laughs> mirrors and the. Bleeding Ooh, candles everywhere yeah, yeah. and the wax. We did have that <laughs> going Sistina's on. Okay. Yeah, it's very We Sistina's. did say that, yeah. Yeah, the, oh, yeah so that's, that's the only reason that it gets a one, one and a half from me. Sarah? Okay, I am going to say one, and that is for two reasons. One, you hit point five because Paul McGann, you know, he did okay. That's what he mm-hmm. got. For what he was given. Yeah, well, he it's did not his fault. Not his fault. Yeah, he did his best. And uh, the other half of a point uh, is because they made it through the whole movie, shitty as it was, and the doctor didn't have any sonic screwdriver. It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. The earliest I've had to go in lately is uh is I went in at seven one time. That's not too bad. No, not it's not four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, no, fuck that. Not at all. God. <clears throat> all right, so let's see what Good we got God. here. Uh, we got Tiffany Devault joining us. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Um, hello to everybody listening to the podcast on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're checking mm-hmm. it out. Um, appreciate y'all. Uh, always getting on in here, Joshua Spicer. Hey, oh, hey, my dudes! <laughs> Always good having Spicer join. This is the second time, I believe. Yeah. All right, so it's been a while. Let's see. We got a couple things here. We've got a logger. That's probably the best to start with. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'm down. This is just dropped off by the Podfather himself. Um, he was uh, at a wedding in Columbus, Ohio, this past weekend, and on the way home. He said, I got a couple beers that you need to, you need to have. I'm like, okay. That's what we like to hear. I don't think I've ever said no to beers. Maybe well, maybe in a drunken state. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have? no, yeah. That's a, that's a typical thing. So what do we got here? This is from Market Garden Brewery. It's called Nano. It's an OG lager. Mm. 4.3%. Let's give it a pour. Yeah. Ooh, it's nice color right off the bat. Nice golden color. The can has a nice embossing. Is it embossed? It is. 
Oh wow, that's neat. That's different. You don't see that all the time. Beautiful. beautiful an OG coat. logger. What the hell makes an, a logger OG? <laughs> original gangster, man. It's man code. If you're offered a beer, you accept, says Joshua Spitzer. Gabriel Floyd, the podfather, king of naming shit. <laughs> the podfather is pretty good at, at naming things. I'll give him that. Hold the can up to the camera, says Gabe Floyd. I guess we can go ahead and do that. Yeah. I like the artwork. Yes. The hop cones hanging about. What uh, brewery is this from? Market something. Oh, Market Garden. Okay. Yep. All right. Cheers to you and everyone at home. Huh. It's not bad. Interesting. Tastes a little hoppy. A little bit, actually. Let's see what we got here. Smells a little hoppy, too. Saying about themselves, this light pale lager is a throwback to how beer was brewed in America over 100 years ago. Crisp, brilliant, and refreshing with a delicate malt body and a snappy hop finish. Nano keeps you dominating all day. I like how it's got the barcode inside the outline of Ohio. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It was made. That's kind of neat. I like that. It's got the... Uh, the seal, I believe I saw it. The independent craft seal. Now, what does that mean? It means that they're they're like locally owned. They're not like a a huge huge franchise. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this out of my 450 North. Six-year anniversary tumbler. It's a nice little guy. It is. It's pretty. And I'm drinking it out of this uh, this Three Floyd Zombie Dust glass. Austin and I um, got those at the pint over on West, in West Lafayette. They were having a Three Floyd's tap takeover. Oh. They forced me to drink wow. a permanent funeral out of it. Oh, it's delicious. It's good every time, but it's a so it's hefty. It's very hefty, ten percent. Uh, so tasty though. <laughs> hits your mouth and <laughs> and it feels good. Mm. This was a good start. Yeah, nice, nice way to work ourselves into the the podcast. Just an easy four three mm-hmm. ABV. Alexander Graw, welcome to the fracas. Ashley, good to see you as well. Hello, hello. Um, what should we what should we dive into next? We got many options. We do have a lot of options tonight. We got the sixth anniversary nuggets from four fifty north. A double dry hopped double IPA. Galaxy Citra, El Dorado, Mosaic, Mateka, and Mandarina Bavaria hops. That's a mouthful. We've got a lot of other things, too. That's a double. What's this one here? The this birth- is a quadruple IPA. Yeah, it's nuts. Okay, maybe we don't need that one just yet. Let's do this hazy. Yeah. 
So we've got uh, the Samuel Adams New England IPA, hazy and juicy, 35 IBUs, 6.8 ABV. This was a gift. Um, that's why we called this one Gifts Abound. We got beers from a couple different people tonight. The first one was from the Podfather. The second one is from Mr. Sean Voorhees. Um, he can help you guys out at the uh, Tower Liquors here in Lafayette. Um, that's where he... That's where he snagged these bad boys. Um, he also brought over a Session Pineapple Ale, I believe. Ooh. Sean did. So we're going to dive into that after we, uh, probably after we smash this New England IPA. Ooh, like a boss, not even rinsing it out. <laughs> Ooh, look at that head. It is certainly living up to its name of being hazy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Super hazy. Ah, Chris Pollan is complimenting my Sonic Pulse shirt. Excellent uh, notice there. Definitely stand out. <laughs> it's very yellow. Um, it says, party like your dad before he had you. <laughs> hey. Some of us can carry on the lifestyle. Um, yeah, Sonic Pulse came and played this past week at the North End Pub. I heard it was fantastic. They did a lot of... Uh, a lot of noodling. I always appreciate that. They're great. They got a new album coming out called Sonic Pulse vs. the Internet. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's excellent. Uh, I would recommend the song Jerk Off, I guess. <laughs> Come again? Jerk Off, I guess. <laughs> Falling into it. an endless pit where you're just forced to masturbate for an eternity, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I think that's what love it. it. I'm pretty love sure it. That's it. I'm sold already. <laughs> so, all right, let's see what Samuel Adams has to offer in let's this New England style IPA game. Huh. Hmm. Mm. It's okay. That's pretty. That's all right. Would we say it's six point eight percent ABV? Yeah. Um, it's definitely hazy. Oh. Yeah, it's not very bitter. It's all right. A top forward. I'm definitely getting tasting the the floral aspect of the hops instead of the bitter. Yeah. I can agree with that. Huh? Gabe, I don't know how you can comment. Huh? And uh, have us have any idea what you're referring to? We're moving at 100 miles an hour over here, Mr. Floyd. The speed of light. Can't remember every silly thing I say. This is pretty all right. I remember when I first started um, drinking craft beers, I was really into Samuel Adams' cherry wheat. It was a good one. I like it. Oh, it's the Podfather. That's just Dick. Or is this Dick? That's just Dick. He's Oof. absolutely not the Podfather. But welcome Oops. anyway, Dick. Oh, <laughs> Gabe says that's all he said, referring to Zach. I think when he tasted it, huh? <laughs> maybe it was me. I don't know. Oh, it was. Gabe's asking if it was sweet. I would say it, it did have. It, 
not in, not in like a fruity kind of way, but yeah, it's 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 definitely got a, a a cleaner taste than like than a bitter taste. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess. Eh, I don't know. Sweet's probably the best way to describe it. It's okay. It's all right. Just all right. It is. Um, Podcastrophe sending some love there with a little heart. Back at you. Um, what else is going on, Zach? You got anything you want to talk about? Nah, I've just been working, man. I've just been slaving. Slaving, sleeping a little bit. I did not have to work today. I do work tomorrow, and mm-hmm. we are finally brewing the Brews with Dudes coffee stout. Hell yes. That should be ready to drink by the end of October. I am super, super stoked. Yeah. I'm going to try to convince him to let me get a little barrel and uh, um, put some of it in there to age it a little bit. Right. I remember you mentioning that. Sounds like a good idea to me. You're going to... Do something like what a bourbon barrel aged or uh, what have you. If I could get my hands on some bourbon barrels, that would be sweet. Otherwise, just a wood barrel would be nice. Even just a six barrel or something. Coffee stout for the win. That's what I'm saying, Mr. Gabe. We're, yeah. uh, I believe that we got the coffee grounds from Fuel, uh, downtown Lafayette. So it'll have all sorts of local, local flavors and talents and names going into it. We'll have it. Um, I want to organize like a special day for it down at Tay's, so we can invite people to try it. Otherwise, it will be available at the Doom Room's Halloween Bash on Friday, October twenty sixth, at the North End Pub. Just about a month away. I'm very, very excited for that. There's a. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna deck the whole place out, make it super, what super is haunted. Some, what are some of the names coming? Uh, let's see. So we've got. Thorax. Mm. Um, so they're going to bring down the walls, uh, Viking style. Uh, and then we're going to have Kossif, Tech Death from right here in uh, Lafayette. A couple of the dudes are in there, Brad and Colin. Oh, I remember. Um, then we have Born Under Burden. Yes. I think most of the Hellions are from Frankfurt. I think the new drummer's from... Lafayette, maybe. Okay. I don't quite remember. I don't know where old William lives. Um, who else do we got? Triguna. They're up from Chicago. And then Crusadist. Uh, they they sound exactly like you think they sound. Yeah. Crusadist. Yeah. Like, Dope. Yeah. Um, I I'm believe Triguna is more thrash prog kind of stuff. Okay. It's going to be shit that I'm really, really, really going to oh. dig. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thogot's coming back. They do, like, noise, and they dress up. The last time I saw them, if I remember correctly, uh, well, they played Halloween, so they dressed up for that, but then at um, one of the Nate Fests, uh, they wore, like, robes and stuff while they played, so they've got the very spooky Halloween-y vibe, and they make all sorts of weird noises with synths and little... I can dig it. Little middies. They're fun. Carl's the man. Carl's awesome. Um, Who else? I'm forgetting someone. Embracing the Enemy? Um, they're a progressive metal band from up on campus. Okay. Um, Tight. They're pretty good. They just put out a new CD, so this will be, I believe, their second show. Um. Neat. Yeah, the second show with the new CD out. And they don't play very often. This is the first time they've played with me. A lot of these bands is the first time. Triguna, Crusadist. Yeah. Um. Oh, goodness. Mr. Evan Brown has joined the party. 
What's Gucci, my brothers? What up? We're getting it, man. We're having fun. We're uh uh, we haven't quite got to all those, the last 450 release, but a lot of those are on the docket. Right now, we're in the middle of enjoying the New England IPA from Samuel Adams. We have deemed it, eh, okay. Just okay. Okay. Maybe, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, a six. I'd probably give it a solid four or five out of ten. <laughs> solid bottom end of the spectrum. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. I don't know. Sam Adams have always been a hit or a miss for me, and this one just doesn't quite hit home. Hope Charters, welcome. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Gabe says, they're in for a treat then. Pop that Doom Room virginity. Yes, I think they're going to have a very good time. I like bringing bands to town for big shows. Like We book people all the time. So yeah, you might have a show on a Tuesday that has 10 people there. That just happens. But if you get lucky to get on that that halloween show you're gonna play for tons of really enthusiastic people yeah casey scott says yo hey i say yo to casey scott tj fernandez welcome good to see you 